Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for teams present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Lessons from Jimmy Butler, and ask me questions if I was confusing. What the heck? Jimmy Butler, isn't he a basketball player? Didn't he get, like, traded from the Bulls years ago? What could he possibly tell us about baseball? Well, that's where I'm going today. Um, I don't know if you follow me on Twitter. I don't know if you're even on Twitter. But on Twitter, my persona is a curious mix. Sometimes it'll be something... Cubs related. Sometimes it'll be something baseball history related. Sometimes it will be someone giving a report from something they saw at a college game or perhaps some new training technique that, hey, you might want to try this. It's really good at working on the uh, pitcher's upper body mobility or whatever. I just see stuff on Twitter and it either works or it doesn't. And when I share it, I generally don't apologize. Sometimes I'll even do something civic. But uh, normally it's sports related. And sometimes it'll be the mental game. I saw a picture today as I was basically logging off of Twitter. It was a picture of Jimmy Butler, presumably from Game 5. The Miami Heat, keyed by Jimmy Butler, are playing basically over their heads to extend the Los Angeles Lakers to six games. The picture was a picture of Jimmy Butler. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of the basketball stanchion. That's a term I fell in love with when I was listening to Jim Durham on the Bulls broadcasts in the 70s. The basket stanchion is not the basket, it's the support, the support that holds up the basket. Whatever method of holding up the basket, the stanchion, there's some sort of a pole kind of a thing and a rather wide base to keep the basket upright. And Jimmy Butler was... Very fatigued and leaning up against the basket stanchion. Now, I don't know what was going through his mind. He could have just been, oh, this is a convenient place. I think I'm going to stop here for a quarter of a second. But his body told a different tale. Jimmy Butler's body in that picture. I'm horrible at reading people's uh, nonverbals. I'm terrible at it. Absolutely horrible. If you want to communicate something to me, tell me the words that you're trying to get me to understand because then I'll understand the words. I might not like them, but at least then I'll understand. If you give me this look of, what, don't don't you understand what this look means? Well, no, probably I don't because I'm horrible at nonverbal communication. Sometimes, though, I can figure out something 
from nonverbal communication, whether it's accurate or not. And that's the other thing. I might read something improperly from nonverbal communication. But this picture of Butler, <sighs> he was absolutely crashed out with his forearms on the basket stanchion and his head in his hands. <sighs> As if to say, I have to elicit every ounce of energy out of myself because this may be as close to an NBA championship as I ever get. I have to elicit every ounce of energy out of myself because this may be the closest I'll ever get to an NBA championship. Maybe by now you're figuring out what this has to do with the Cubs. In 2015 and 2016, the Cubs players on the 2015 and 2016 teams had a goal. We want to win a championship. And they did it. And it was fantastic. And if you would ask them at any point since, are you trying for another championship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won another championship. Yeah, we won another championship. I'm not sure they're both hands on the basket stanchion, head in your hands, saying, I have to elicit every ounce of energy out of my body that I possibly can because this may be the closest I will ever be to another major league championship. I don't know that's what I don't know that that's where they are. They've bought in kind of yeah, I'm going to do that. But I also have other things I'm trying to do. I don't want to ruin my future. Another basketball team from the, from the history books, and I'm not even going to use the Bulls this time. Back in the 1950s into the 1960s, nobody touched the Boston Celtics. Bill Russell was the kingpin. He played center with a... He played defensively like other people didn't, especially at that time. People now have figured out some of the things he was doing, but back then, he, when he would block a shot, he wouldn't block it out of bounds. He'd block it to a defender, to, to a teammate. He'd block it, just, just nudge it, nudge it over to somebody. And what the Celtics would manage to do, they had Russell and Kuzi. Then, a couple years later, they added Havlicek. A couple years later, they added Jojo White. A couple years later, you know, they just add pieces as they went along. And all the time, they had the veteran leadership. They even had veteran leadership when Russell retired. So they would still be really good after Russell retired. So the things about knowing how to pace yourself, which is important. 
pacing yourself is important, but if everybody on your team is pacing themselves, there's a problem. What the Celtics would manage to do is have some old guys, some guys in the peak of their career, some guys who have just started to turn the corner, and some guys who are just learning. Then the next year, they'd reassess, okay, who do we want to hang on to? Who do we want to let go of? Let's bring in another guy from the draft and make sure that it's a guy that will work for our system. They even pulled a cool trick when the Chicago Bulls got a franchise. They made a brilliant move. Absolutely brilliant. Probably Rob, Rob Manford wouldn't allow it because it makes sense. They talked with the Bulls ownership and said, how about this? You guys probably don't know a whole lot about the scouting thing. And I would imagine the Bulls owners that, uh, uh, well, you're right, but well, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we know more than you think. How about this? How about this? How about this? We will do your expansion draft for you. Entirely, front to finish, under one circumstance. Oh, okay, what's the one circumstance? We will tell you which Boston Celtic to take in the expansion draft. The Boston Celtics did all the homework, and the Bulls let them do the homework. And were paid off to do it. The Bulls were told to draft John Thompson, who would eventually be Georgetown's head coach. Big seven-foot guy who wasn't really that much of a, an NBA threat. Bulls decided, okay, yeah, sure, why not? And the Celtics did a fantastic job of giving them a very good team. And within a couple of years, they were title contenders. Because the Celtics did their homework and helped them get better. I really do appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I try to put quality effort into each episode, bringing you information you might not get as promptly or completely from other sources. This service is provided free of charge. If you have friends that might be interested in the podcast, send them a link of a favorite episode that might resonate with them. Hitting like, share, follow, subscribe, or retweet is also appreciated. If you need help in sharing, ask away. If this service is worth more than the asking price, most podcasts, podcast servers allow you a simple link to contribute to the podcast in any fashion you deem worthwhile. Whether or not that applies for you, thanks for listening. Cubs fans have kind of bought into the star system. You have Rizzo, you have Bryant, you have Schwarber, you have the stars. And we got to ride the stars out. We have to make sure that as long as they are healthy and upright and with the team, we have to maximize the... Why? Why is that a good idea? 
it seems a better way would be the way the Celtics did it. Bring someone along. Get them. Have someone that's quality coming along, following along. The waves of talent we were guaranteed. That we were told would be arriving. They haven't been there. Right now, it's not so much that the Cubs have all hitters that are the same type of approach. That's kind of accurate. That's kind of not accurate. I don't think Chris Bryant has the same approach that Jason Hayward does. I don't think that Anthony Rizzo has the same batting approach as Kyle Schwarber. Is Wilson Contreras the same as Javier Baez? I don't think so. Contreras draws a lot more walks and gets hit more. But it seems like the problem is more all the players are all the same age. All the same players won their first championship the same year. Ian Happ would like to win a world championship with the Cubs. But he doesn't have anybody else with him who has that same youthful vigor, that verve, that fire that the Cubs all had in 2015 and 2016 because they hadn't won a championship yet. It's fine to have a Bill Russell and a Bob Cousy and a John Havlicek if, as time progresses, you keep adding a new young piece as time goes on. If you're relying entirely on the same four, five, six guys for an entire run, that doesn't work. It just doesn't. You need to have more players showing up and wanting the same thing that the other players did before they had won. A lot of people will say, well, that's why you get veteran free agents. Mm, Sometimes that works. But ideally, you have a steady stream of younger players who, wow, I've never done this before. And then they turn to the veteran. How is it that I deal with that? I've never had a slump before. How do I deal with a slump? Hey, don't worry. We all have slumps. I had a slump back, and here's how I worked through it. That's why veterans are important. Veterans are also important because, in theory, the umpires probably get used to the veterans and give the veterans a little bit better call than they do an untested rookie. At least that's the way it works in basketball. When you have a guy that's been around for 15 years and The officials know they're not allowed to call an offensive foul on them, so they call a block on the guy who is totally set. I don't know. A large part of the Cubs' problem is they haven't had newer players coming through. They don't have players with that look that Jimmy Butler had up against the basket stanchion. I have to put every ounce of energy I have into this because I may never get this close again to my first NBA championship.
or World Series title. I want to hold that piece of metal that I earned. The Cubs don't have that guy. They have, you know, Abraham Zalay, Raylan Marquez. But so many of the innings, so many of the at-bats, so many of the everything are pitchers and players who have already done it. And the other ones haven't been nurtured enough. You know, here are guys who eh, picked them up off the DFA wire. The Cubs don't have the players that are pushing. It's not a case of Kyle Schwarber. Oh, I'd better really start doing well because I have this guy that's stealing my job. Things work best if you have some veterans, some mid-range guys, some guys who are just turning the corner and some guys who are just learning. The Cubs are absolutely loaded in the guys who have won NBA titles before, or major uh, World Series titles before. But I don't know if they are hands into, head into their hands as the forearm is up against the basket stanchion, saying, I have to put every ounce of... Nah, I, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I'm not hearing it. People who are watching aren't seeing it. In 2015 and 2016, the team was driven for a goal. Now, yeah, another championship would be nice. See how there's a little bit of difference there? It'd be nice is a little bit different than I want to put every single bit of energy that I have into this. You know, a little difference. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to have that worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs, go. And... Be nice to people.